Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hey everyone, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I'm at the Chickren on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And tonight we are continuing our re-reread of Jamie and Brienne's chapters with Jamie Six from A Feast for Crows, and give our standard trigger warnings for. Um, for rape in this chapter. I don't think we have a ton of discussion on it, but you never know. And um, spoilers for everything at this point. So let's hop right into it. So we pick up where we left off in the last chapter with Jamie kind of having to deal with the siege of River Run. And he's arranged for a parlay with the Blackfish, and the Blackfish meets him basically on like a drawbridge outside of, of River Run. And Jamie is basically there to present his terms to the Blackfish, but the Blackfish immediately, you know, calls him Kingslayer, asks him where, um, you know, remember, notes his promise to Cat to get Arya and Sansa, and asks, you know, where are they? And this whole little exchange is kind of funny because we have, you know, we have what the Blackfish says, then we have Jamie's thoughts. And then we have what Jamie replies to the Blackfish with, which are like, you know, you know, when he asks about Arya and Sansa, he's like, oh, is he gonna, is he gonna make me say it? Um, um, you know, and it, he thinks about how he wants to tell the Blackfish about Brienne and, you know, about Oathkeeper and everything, and you know, he won't, you know, he's not gonna do that, and how the Blackfish reminds him of, um, you know, kind of reminds him of Ned finding him. Finding him on the Iron Throne with, you know, Ares' blood on his sword. But it's just this, it's, you know, it's kind of humorous that we get, like, his inner his inner and his outer dialogue, which are, you know, completely different, basically. And, you know, frankly, the term, like, the first terms that he offers the Blackfish, you know, it's like, I'll give you, because we know that, you know, they have Edmure yeah. threatening to kill Edmure. And he's like, I'll give you Edmure for... um Civil Civil Spicer and her three kids. You know, like when you think back to how you know it was like, well, they'll never give up. You know, they're never gonna surrender Jamie for two girls. You know, like back in um, back <laughs> yeah. in what well, Game of Thrones yeah. even. And now here's Jamie, like willing to give Edmure back for um, you know an old you know not an old lady but you know a bitch basically and, and three kids and. You know, this is like the one part of this chapter that I was kind of on the Blackfish's side that he is like, nope, I'm not, um, I'm not going to give up my queen. Like I promised, you know, I promised my king I would protect my queen. And it's kind of, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of liked hearing him refer to Jane like that and kind of show that loyalty to her. Yeah. Um, he's really unreasonable. And I, I, at least I personally find him like extremely unreasonable in a lot of this chapter, but I did like like this a lot yeah I, I mean you know the blackfish is a very 
cool character. And I've been like, I really mean cool when I say cool because he's pretty badass. He's always badass. He's badass from the minute you meet him pretty much. Um, and this is kind of like the culmination of everything you've ever seen the Blackfish do in this scene. He just gives no fucks whatsoever and is literally just there to fuck with Jamie. <laughs> she totally yeah, knows she, how to do. But, you know, like the terms that Jamie's offering him are like incredibly generous. Oh, yeah, no, they're not <laughs> bad terms. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie genuinely just wants to like, you know, make and, peace uh, here. Yeah. Um, we, and, you know, yeah. The thing of it is, the Blackfish fucking knows that it drives Jamie bananas that everybody thinks he's so honorless. He clearly knows it because, you know, if if someone wasn't bothered by being thought honorless, then it wouldn't matter to them that you're constantly like, letting them know that you think their honor is shit. But the Blackfish really, really, really rubs it in because he knows that it bothers Jamie and you just kind of love it. I mean, like, oh, God. When we get that great little exchange, you know, your word of honor, Sir Brennan raised an eyebrow. Do you even know what honor is? And we have Jamie mm-hmm. thinking, a horse. <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, we think, you know, you think back to like 15-year-old Jamie, hero worshipping the blackfish at dinner. And, you know, I still, you know, I have a lot of theories about the blackfish. Like, I think it's, this is like, I've always, you know, I've always sort of theorized. And there's like no proof. It just is it, would make logical sense to me that he um i think that he wanted to be in the king i think he um wanted to be in the king's guard and that is one of the reasons that he was so reluctant to get married and you know jamie yeah. took his place well I, you know i also think he's gay so i think like that could be you know a way for him to not have to be married to a woman but also like you know at that time the king's guard was like you know, that's like your Arthur Dane, your high yeah. top. You know, that's a pretty solid King's Guard at that time, and I think he probably felt like he was in that caliber. And then this like fifteen-year-old boy gets that position that he, you know, very well might have thought was was his by rights, yeah, or you know, his by not by rights, but like his by by um, merit. Yeah, and well, that's an interesting theory. Has it, has anyone else ever theorized this and written it up before? I don't, not that I've seen, and I haven't really seen any support for it ever, but there's just like a very personal, you know, this is, there's a little bit of personalness to this bit that's beyond, you know, anything else. And I I just think it kind of makes sense to me because, yeah, I mean, he could have easily been keeping himself single for that, you know, because I think the guy that Jamie replaced was pretty well known for being sickly. Or not well known for being sick, but it was like well known that he was, you know, on his way out of this world, um, and so that there was, you know, a a play like there was enough time for Cersei to be plotting, other people to be plotting. Like this place was this position was obviously going to be opened up, and you know, yeah, it seems like the the second, you know, the second unmarried son of the Tullys would be, you know, a very strong candidate for that to me, anyway. That's interesting. Um, and it just, you know, explains some of like the blackfish's kind of extreme unreasonableness. And then like kind of, I mean, I just straight up have always thought the blackfish was gay and that's yeah. why he wouldn't get married, Yeah, which who would blame him. But that right. actually is an interesting theory. I mean, he could be both gay and want to be in the King's guard. Yeah. Those aren't mutually exclusive. No. And I think, you know, the, I, you know, I think he certainly has a point. He was like this, you know, again, this high born war hero essentially like yeah why you know 
why did it go to this 15 year old kid? Well, and I think part of it is too, like they do know one another. I right. mean, Jamie right. spent this time with him at River Run. I mean, yeah. these these aren't strangers per se. Well, and they probably fought in the Greyjoy Rebellion together. You know, there's there's well, in yeah, other there's, places, tourneys and stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah, like they. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, Jamie and Edmure, like. And I think it's important for his interactions with Edmure lately that Jamie knows Edmure. Like, he knows him. Oh, yeah. And what he does, I think, is predicated on knowing Edmure and knowing, you know, knowing what he is, what Edmure's reaction is going to be. Because oh, of absolutely. That, because he knows him. Um, so, you know, the Blackfish is basically taunting him with, you know, all this shit, like, you know... Basically, we can, you know, he's pulling the, we can do this all day. We got all this food in the garrison, and Jamie's just, you know, Jamie's bluffing, basically, like, oh, we have plenty of food, and it'll be fine. And, um, you know, but the Blackfish is just kind of accusing him of being a part of, like, all these atrocities with the Red Wedding, etc. And, you know, Jamie, you know, Jamie does deny some of this. You know, he, you know... This was the phrase work and my father's, you know, my father's dead too. You know, like he, he doesn't really defend himself um, except about the Red Wedding. Yeah, he's pretty polite too throughout, which I think this is something people kind of miss a little bit with Jamie. He can be rude, but a lot of his rudest stuff he kind of keeps in his head. Um, he's rudest to people that he's really close to. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's rude to people he doesn't respect. And, I mean, you see it in this chapter later with the phrase. Like, you know, he utterly has no respect for Ryman Frey. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he does respect he does respect the Blackfish. Like, Oh, yeah, no, he totally respects the Blackfish. Yeah, and I mean, he's... And I love yeah. how they reach this point where they're, they're literally goading each other, like, about doing single combat and stuff. And Jamie's like, okay, well, I swore to Catelyn I wouldn't take up arms against you. And, you know... <laughs> you free me from it, then we, yeah. can, you know, then we can fight, and you know, a cripple and an old man, and it might be a good match. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And then you know, I like like the you know, are there any terms you will accept? He demanded of the Blackfish from you. Sir Brendan shrugged. No. Well, why did you even come to treat with me? And it's just basically. <laughs> You know, I just wanted to hear whatever excuses you cared to offer up for your latest enormities. They were feebler than I'd hoped. You always disappoint, Kingslayer. Oh, God. And, He's just you know, it's shade. Like, really, I'm just bored. I mean, I'm just coming out because I'm bored. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, he kind of was. Because, I mean, <laughs> the terms that Jamie offers are as good as, you know, they're like, as good as he's going to get. And, um... So, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, the only reason that if he's not going to, if he's not going to be interested in that, then literally the only reason you come out is just to like piss Jamie off. Like, I don't know if he was trying to goad him into, um, you know, goad him into some like really big mistake. Like, did he really want to do single con? I mean, I don't think so. It wouldn't have really changed anything. <laughs> I don't. I think it was just to fuck with Jamie. I really do think it was just to fuck with Jamie. I, maybe to see if he could like get any intel from Jamie as well. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think I think he largely met with him to fuck with it. So Jamie rides back to camp, and you know he's like, you know, he figures like all these people could could tell what's you know what's happening, and he kind of feels like, 
you know, like shit about that. And then he thinks like, oh, he's, you know, they're going to have to storm the castle and he's going to have to break his vow to Catelyn. And, you know, he has this like just more shit in the bucket. Which like, And this love. is the thing. And this is the thing that he gets no credit for in broader fandom. He doesn't want to have to break his stupid vows to Catelyn. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to have to break them. Right. It's like he just told Blackfish, he's like, yeah, well, she made me swear that at, at, you know, sword point. But he doesn't want to break these vows. Plus the fact that he is doing what he can for Sansa. Everybody thinks Arya's dead, but he he did send Brienne out for Sansa and he does think Brienne's going to find her. I mean, he thinks that he's handled that. Um, He actually does care about keeping these vows that he did make it. You know, I mean, he was both drunk and like held... (laughs) prisoner and with a knife at his throat so i mean you know he's not as honorless as everyone thinks he is is what i'm saying you can tell when you're in his head yeah do you think he he would care if he didn't um it just popped into my head do you think if brienne wasn't there would he still care (laughs) do we think i sort of think what you mean about the vow well yeah i mean I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's cared even before yeah. this. Even before that, you think? He cares right off the bat. And st- I mean, you know, he says things in Storm of Swords like, oh, just, just to fuck with everybody, I am going to send Sansa back and stuff like that, you know? But yeah. he's like, I will keep these vows. That'll shock everybody. Yeah, he he was, I think he was always going to do it. I mean, I, th- I think there's no part of Jamie that takes a vow lightly, um, no matter what he might say or act like. Maybe his any kind of vow of celibacy is in the king's guard i think that one was i mean that one clearly lately, no one's honoring that one right <laughs> well aries Oakhart really wanted yeah. to you know he really feels bad about not honoring it. <laughs> but you know that's about it the rest of them i feel like yeah they're fine um <laughs> so jamie goes back into this war council and it consists of yeah, you know, there's like some of the western the western lords. So we've got Adam Arbrand and Lyle Craig Hall and Forley Pruster and um cousin Davin. And then we have Emin Frey and Jenna kind of bulls bulldogs her way into there. And we've got, you know, Raymond Fry can't be asked to show up, so we have Edwin Fry. And um we have a couple of the river lords that have come over to the Lannister side. So we have one of the Pipers and one of the Vances, um, among others. And you know, we get like, we get everyone's, you know, we get everyone's ideas, you know, like Davin wants to, you know, he's like, we got to get more siege towers. We're just, you know, we're going to have to like fight. We're going to have to like fight our way through. Um, some of the river lords are like, well, let's just let us talk to Brendan. You know, we can change his mind type of like, they don't really, you know, they really don't, obviously they don't really want to fight. They think that maybe there's still a solution. Um, you know, the phrase like Edwin Frey, basically his solution is to pretend to attack, lure the blackfish out into the open, and then shoot him from afar with 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 a bunch of arrows. These so basically, like the most treacherous, like <laughs> the most treacherous, like Shady. thing possible. And then um, Adam Marbrand is uh, his idea, which actually I would have gone with Adam Marbrand's idea, which was to wait for a moonless <laughs> night, um, send like a couple dozen guys over in like you know. Um, muffled oared boats, scale the walls, and then open up the doors from the inside, which given everything, like, and this is almost kind of in a weird way is what happens, and you know, they open the doors from the inside, essentially, but, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is this would this would have been my pick. I love how Adam's like, and I'll lead this little group myself. Yeah, like he, uh... I also think, you know, the Outriders were kind of, the Outriders um, 
were kind of responsible for Whispering Woods. So I think mm-hmm. he has a little like battle redemption too that he probably wants to um that he probably wants to like redeem himself for. Um but Emin Frey is very much like really like doesn't want anyone to ruin the castle. Like this is his main concern is that like you know the China's going to get broken into that's part of the assault. Like he's pretty adamant, you know, it's my castle and you know it can't, you know, he's that's all he really cares about is that the castle remains intact. Um he has no really other opinions and Jenna's pretty quiet most of the time, um, you know, until the end when she's basically the la- the last to leave. Um, you know, one thing that I've seen the general fandom talk about, and I've, I've always wanted to respond to this, but I just also kind of don't want to talk about it anymore in that area is, you know, I've seen a lot of things where, um, people talk about the North and how the Northern Lords are, you know, still so willing to fight for Ned because of, you know, their relationship with, with the rest of the North and, you know, how this is some great thing. And then the contrast with the Lannisters and, you know, how this river run piece is so fragile, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, that's not, it's a false equivalency. Um, the, you know, oh, the, West, yeah. the Western Lords we see, the Craig Hall, Adam Marbrand, Davin Lannister, like the Western Lords are totally loyal to, you know, to the Lannisters. Oh, I mean, 100%. Right. The River Lords aren't, but, you know, that would be like saying that the Iron Islanders at Deepwood Mott are, you know, disloyal to Ned and somehow it's a commentary on his leadership. <laughs> well, right. They shouldn't be loyal to him. Um, no. What do you... How is this a valid comparison? Um, I've I've never heard anyone try to make that comparison. I mean, obviously the River Lords are still loyal to the Tullys, um, duh, and to the Starks to an extent, but mostly the Tullys. I mean, that's what this allegiance is here. Like, none of them want to have to fucking you know attack River Run, and especially don't want to have to attack you know Prindon right. and, and uh, yeah, Prindon I mean, Tully if they don't have to. We agree, like, Tywin's a fucking monster, but, I mean, to act like this is some indictment of, oh, of overall oh Lannister rule as part of, you know, why Jamie, you know, and it's Jamie, some grand failure of Jamie's that he's trying, that he's even going forward with the siege and, you know, mm. trying in taking River Run. Like, what the fuck is he supposed to do? Bro, he, I mean, he has no choice at this point. I mean, what are you going to do? Just let this be a tiny little Winterfell kingdom in the middle of the Riverlands? I mean, like, leave of it course alone. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the thing is-, is, and this is, this is something we talked about in the last recording of the last Jamie chapter. If, <laughs> if you don't have Jamie in this situation, mm. it's a thousand times worse. I mean, you didn't have Jamie until, like, he just showed up at this, and nothing was happening. I mean, fucking Davin is the warden of the West. He's in charge of all of Cersei's armies in the West, which is, you know, all of their own troops. And yet it's a fucking shit show. It's a shit show because of the phrase. It's a shit show because of Cersei. You need Jamie in this situation, or it's a total nightmare. I mean, it takes Jamie to solve this. And I'm not saying that Jamie's always the greatest maneuverer, but he's by far the best person in the whole you know, right. and I think, Sorry, I mean, I just think it's like, it's not the story that George is really, I mean, I don't think anyway, it's the story that George is telling. Like, this isn't about like Tywin Lannister's hubris is going to get, you know, the Western army and all these people killed because he didn't get the loyalty of the Riverlands lords. Like, I mean, I don't think 
I think it's, you know, it, if anything, it's going to be, you know, the revenge that we don't, what we don't want or anything. Like, I think this isn't about Jane. Like, I don't, I just don't think this part of a feast for crows and this storyline is about Jamie's failures. Like, I, I don't oh, know God, how no. you read this. this. And yeah. I, I read so much commentary that kind of frames this as like a commentary no. on Jamie's failures. And to me, it's like, he's so competent here and balances all these various interests that if there was some external threat to all these various parties that was, you know, bigger than, bigger than all of these conflicts that they would look to Jamie to be their leader. Like he's proven to all of these various constituencies, including the Tullys, frankly, and that, yeah, they would get behind him. You know, let's say there's like, I don't know, an army of the undead. Or, you know, alternatively, you know, a Targaryen Tucker- with three dragons. Like, who would they turn to? You know, who are, who would they turn to in this situation? Well, this is the thing. And, and this is what, you know, you kind of see this throughout this chapter. Jamie, Jamie in this chapter is very much using his reputation to his advantage. And it's smart of him to do that. But Jamie very much has a reputation. And, um, you know... It's not as bad as Tywin's in some ways, but I mean, people do respect him. They kind of don't have a choice, obviously, at this point, but people do respect him. And the thing that I think is clearest as you're as you're watching this thing be navigated, you see in this in this council where um, there's kind of a face off uh, is, I guess, the best way to put it um, between um, uh, which Piper is this? Whatever the uh, like, Piper Lord is. I want to say Clement, but I don't think that that's his name. But it's I don't Mark know. Piper's father. It's Mark Piper's father, yes. Mm-hmm. And and Edwin Frey, who's Ryman Frey's son. And they have this just face-off. Because it's like, even though here here this, this Piper Lord has everything to lose by fighting with the Freys. Because, you know, obviously they're in good with the Lannisters and everything. Um, he still faces down with this Frey. And all of the Lannisters you can just tell not just the Lannisters, but all of the Westermen are just kind of kind of silently, you know, smiling and nodding along. Like no one fucking likes the phrase. Right. So I think there is a little bit of a, a, a kind of understanding between the river Lords and the, and the men of the Westerlands that, you know, okay, we're all just kind of here. We got dragged into this by our Lords. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Guile. I think that a lot of these river lords would probably be behind Jamie if it came to like a fight against the undead or something like that. I mean, absolutely. I don't think that's necessarily how it will go down, but yeah, no, I mean, this is, I mean, it's like, no matter what, no matter what you might want to like frame it as later on, (laughs) this is meant to be Jamie coming into his own clearly trying to find a way to navigate this stuff. I'm not saying he's doing it the best way, but we also talked about this on the last Jamie chapter podcast, which is um, Tywin left a fucking mess yes, <laughs> for yeah, them right. to try to clean up. And it's very difficult. And yes, Jamie is very disparaging of the phrase, but so is fucking everyone. And yeah. there may be some momentary fallout from this as in a kickback from the brotherhood without banners. But as far as like a long-term military fallout, I don't think there will be from the river Lords. I mean, like what are the phrase going to do to the Lannisters? There's well, nothing they can plus, do to the Lannisters as long as the Tyrells are with the Lannisters. Well, plus the phrase have, you know, the phrase are going to, the phrase are just poised to have all of this infighting, you know, like with, you know, Ryman, you know, with Ryman dying, you have Edwin and black Walder kind of at each other, you know, at each other's throats. You've yeah. Got, you know, you've got big Walder up North, like wrecking some havoc. You've got, you know, 
you've got Perwin Frey, who is like very much kind of with the you know with the Western lords here. You've got Oliver Frey, who might be the heir of Rosby. Like there's like there's not a, there's not some cohesive Frey you you know Frey unit at this point. And then you have Emmett, yeah, that- you know, who's like. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting at well, I, I, it's a fucking mess, though. It is a fucking mess. The Riverlands are a mess, and they're going to stay a mess until the phrase are, are dealt with. I mean, like, I do think there will be something like a Red Wedding yeah. 2.0, and I do think some of the Westermen will be caught up in it. Clearly, Davin's probably. Oh, yeah. No, and I mean, I think that's part I'm of it, too. Target is number one. Yeah, we're going to see, you know, we're going to see these these Western lords that we like, you know? Like we, mm-hmm. these Western characters that we've come to like get killed, and it's going to feel mm-hmm. as unjust as the Red Wedding did, you know? Like I don't know if Davin, as unjust, but I mean for Davin, what did yeah, Davin is. Do to, like be kind of cool, not you know, not shave his beard. <laughs> but I think, and this is something that for some reason gets lost when people talk about a Red Wedding 2.0. It's still just going to be some some outlaws attacking them and they, they might cause a pretty good slaughter and kill 500 or a thousand people. I don't know, but it's not going to be a massive turn as far as a war. It's not, you know, like the brotherhood without, without banners does not have an army. Like there is no, you know, they can continue doing the guerrilla type warfare, but like that's these these Lannisters we've come to know as come to know as people like Jenna, like Davin, like, yeah, they're going to, you know, they're going to die and it's going to be, you know, yeah, but it's, I think people think that the river lords are all going to rise up with the brotherhood without banners behind Catelyn or something. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. these guys are done fighting. You can just tell the river lords. I mean, they all surrendered. Yeah. <laughs> they want no part of any of that anymore. Um, I think people really wildly. Yeah, overstated. There, will be, I mean, there will be some sort of slaughter. It's going to be, yeah. you know, outlaws. And then that will be the end of it. I mean, you know, and then, you know, I, I mean, I think we see that and that might, you know, that might be, I mean, it doesn't seem like it could possibly be near the end of wins just because like, it seems like it should be near the start of wins, but it kind of also feels like they, you know, have the slaughter and then they're faced with like the, oh shit, like there's some, you know, more serious shit's going to go down like this, you know, yeah, this, any kind of cathartic moment is not going to, you know, the feeling of there's not going to last too long. And, you know, the other thing, there's not really a P like what POV would be involved in here. Unless my, my theory, which I don't think can happen of Arya's theater troupe going to entertain at the wedding comes true. Hmm. Oh God. Who's going to tell the story, you know? That's a good question. I don't, maybe we don't need to see it, George. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the, maybe that's the reality. Hmm. I don't think Jamie or Brienne are there, but I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know who else is there. Sam, you know, Sam, no. Any of the Greyjoys? No. You know, none of the Starks. So yeah. So I don't, Mm. I don't know. So Jamie is like, well, you know, get ready to get ready to storm the, you know, get ready to fight tomorrow. And, um, then he goes to the, he goes to the phrase camp and he, kind of confronts Ryman who's with this you know with a whore basically and you know it's of note that she's wearing um Jane's crown uh Jane Stark's crown which we'll see later um and you know he's you know he's a mess basically and um Jamie tells him to just leave just get the fuck out and then 
he goes to confront Edmir and, you know, basically has, he has Ilan Payne and Lyle Cray call with him and tells Ilan Payne, you know, basically kind of feigns that Ilan's going to kill Edmir. And, you know, Edmir, to his credit, is kind of like, well, it's about fucking time. You know, like he's been standing up here. And I love how ready for sure. death Edmir is <laughs> over it. <laughs> yeah, he's... He, he gives no fucks. He's like, just oh. kill me. Oh, he's like, good. Uh, a sword's better than a noose. Like, yeah. like, please do it. Um, so then the phrase come running and they're like, you can't, you know, you can't kill him. If you kill him, we won't have a hostage. And oh, God, he probably just like, wants to be done with the phrase. Can you imagine having to put up with them? All the God. <sighs> and, uh, you know, Jamie's just, this is where Jamie's, it's like a total dick to rhyme. I mean, justifiably so, but you know, he's like, you know, don't make, uh, don't make threats. You're not uh, prepared to carry out. You know, for example, if I were to, I would, I were, if I were to threaten to hit you, unless you shut your mouth and you presume to speak, what do you think I'll do? And, you know, Ryman starts to speak and Jamie, um, you know, gives him a golden bitch slap. <laughs> like this is his go-to move now. Well, and it's, also for Edner's benefit. I mean, it's clearly yeah. so Edner can hear right. him say, yeah, like, don't threaten things you're not yeah. willing to follow through on. Make sure that <laughs> Edner sees and hears that. And then he has this, like, I love this little moment with him and Sir Ellen. Um, you know, he, Ryman Frey is, um, you know, he stumbled backwards and, it, you know, you have a fat head, Sir Ryman, and a thick neck as well. Sir Ellen, how many strokes would it take you to cut through that neck? Sterling laid a single finger against his nose. Jamie laughed. An empty boast. I say three. It's just like <laughs> he and Ilan Payne have sort of developed this like <laughs> this rapport somehow. Um, like they're kind of like a creepy comedy duo in a way. Like I'm really like I kind of like this is just this Jamie growing out. I mean, Jamie's just such a dude, bro. In so many ways, like he just like you know he's kind of like one of those bratty little fraternity brothers or something who just like makes these like, stupid jokes with whatever random guys around too. So in our last episode, we asked for some son of Nedbert fic. I would like Shaw bros fic starring Jamie. Um, if you've read the Reddit story of the guys that bought shawl shawls and then their girlfriends broke up with them. <laughs> what? Wait, wait, what? Oh, I saw that. Oh, have to a, look this up. <laughs> yeah, it's just look up Shawl Bros on Reddit. It's like a very charming like story. Yes, they they got dumped because oh. they insisted on wearing shawls. Amazing. <laughs> Which totally feels like a Jamie um a Jamie thing to me. So anyway, Jamie has has them cut Emir down and he brings him to his tent. And um, has him, you know, has a bath drawn and gives him some food and some wine. Kyle, um, Kyle, I, can I back you up for a sec? So yeah. Before, before, as they're on their way over, of course, to to Jamie's tent, Admir grabs like. <laughs> does he grab Jamie's? Yeah, he grabs Jamie's yeah, arm. He grabs He's like, arm. Why? why? He's like, why? Why? And Jamie thinks to himself, a Lannister pays his debts and you're the only coin that's left to me. Mm. This is so clearly about him trying to fulfill some part of his stupid yeah. oath to Catelyn. Like mm. he, you know, he has, he has plenty of reason to be addicted to, to Edmure. I mean, Edmure kept him like starving in a, yeah. 
in a fucking dungeon for how long? Half a year or something like that. Um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need to go out of his way to be good to Edmure, but of course, Jamie just, you know, has empathy for people and probably wouldn't be a dick to him anyway, but he really does not want to have to hurt any of the Tullys at all. And that is what part of this is, but go ahead and continue. Well, and then they have this little discussion about the, the evening of the red wedding, basically, um, you know, where Edmure's like, I, you know, I never knew what was going on. There were fiddlers outside the bedchamber, and Rosalind was crying the whole time. And, you know, Jamie's like, the sight of your rampant madhood, I, that would make any woman weep, I'm sure. Oh, God. <laughs> like, um, and, you know, he reveals that Rosalind's pregnant. And, um, you know, he, Jamie thinks, no, that's your death that she's, that's growing in her belly. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings the singer, crucially, he brings a singer with him as well. And then we get to, um, you know, this kind of iconic conversation between Edmure and, and Jamie, where Jamie just tells Edmure, um, you know, once you've eaten, my men will escort you to River Run. What happens after that is up to you. And, you know, points out, and it's kind of, it's really quite an ingenious solution where he basically tells Edmure that, you know, you're the Lord. Like, it's up to you. You know, the Blackfish is an old man. He's willing to fight to the last, you know, not only to the last, his death, but to the last man. And, you know, you you don't have to do that. Um, he, you know, he says, you know, yield the castle. No one dies. The small folk can stay. Um, Sir Brennan can take the Black with, you know, people from the garrison. Um he, you know, Edmure himself can go to the wall or he can go to Casterly Rock and, you know, they'll send his wife and their child. And if it's a boy, you know, he'll be a page and a squire and they'll settle some lands on him. And if it's a girl, they'll dower her. And I mean, realistically, if it was a, you know, if it was a girl and everything stayed the same, I mean, that girl would um, almost certainly be, you know, married to the older of um, Cleos's kids, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like, in that scenario, his family basically would have River Run again, really, um, with the daughter. And, you know, Edmure says, you know, what if I don't yield? And, and again, Jamie thinks, you know, must you make me say it? And I know everyone focuses on the end of Jamie's threats, which is the trebuchet. And it's like, trebuchet, trebuchet. Like, I don't know why everyone focuses on that part of it and not the rest of what Jamie's threatening, which is basically we're going to storm river run and I'm going to do it with the river Lords first. So you're going to kill all your friends trying to defend the castle. Then I'm going to send the phrase who I don't give a shit about. And only after that, am I going to be with me and my Western Western Lords going to be there. So, you know, he's basically telling Edmure, I've got nothing to lose here. I don't, you know, your river Lords are not mine. I don't care about the phrase. This I'm gonna do this, and I'm have a bunch of cannon fodder, and you don't, and you know, so our victory is inevitable. And then you know, basically tells him he's gonna you know burn down their burn down their god's wood, um, butcher their hoods, kill all you know, kill all the small folk, you know, raise the castle completely. Um, Not just raise the castle completely, but divert pull, the pull all the walls down and uh, divert the tumble stone over the ruins which is what fucking Tywin did with the yeah. Castamere. Um uh, like it it's um 
it's his it's his reigns of Castamere. This is Jamie's reigns right. of Castamere. And scenario. you know, then he throws in the thing about the trebuchet, which you know he just literally learned. I think that Roslyn was pregnant. So I mean, this isn't some big plan. No, but, he knew. I think in the last chapter. But again, like, how is that going to work? He's what going to go to the twins and grab uh, Walder Frey's grandkid? No, like, and, clearly you know, like, this is this clearly this to... is for effect. I mean, wh- right. is there a scenario in which Jamie would put a baby in a in a trebuchet? Yeah, it exists. But this is clearly meant entirely to strong arm Edmure into doing what he wants it to do. This whole thing has been set up exactly for that. To get back to like the idea that, you know, he knows Edmure and, you know, what have we as readers we've learned of Edmure is that he's actually one of the Lords that like cares about his small folk and cares about his people. And he's not the blackfish who's willing to, you know, basically willing to everyone to be killed to prove a point, you know, and that that's not, that's absolutely not Edmure. Like, no. Jamie's making Edmure make the same choice that Jamie made, which is you know to choose this, choose this conception of honor versus the greater good for more people. Like he's forcing Edmure to give up, like the uh, you know give up his honor to save everyone, which is what Jamie yeah. had to do. And he knows Edmure enough to know what Ed, that he he knows Edmure enough to know that Edmure is going to do it. He knows every button to push with Edmure, and he pushes all of yeah. them. He knows that Edmure is loyal to the River Lords. He knows that you know Edmure cares about his family. He cares about his family legacy, and he, he knows he's going to care about his wife and kid. Right. So I mean, it's it's an imp- You know, it's a the you know it's a choice. It's a choice, but he knows what Edmure is going to do. And I mean, most people would, you know, I think most people would choose the same thing. You know, well, some people wouldn't, but, you know, again, he knows this. He knows what this choice is. He's had to make this choice himself. You know, Edmure and Jamie would be the last two people in the world that would like find similarities between each other. But I mean, they certainly, you know, they certainly have both made that choice of honor versus like the right thing to do. And I mean, I think only Jamie can understand, like the you know, like even in the in the last chapter, I think if it's either Bracken or Blackwood in his um dance his dance chapter that kind of rag on Edmure a little bit, and Jamie kind of defends him in his mind because he knows, yeah, he knows that you know he had you know he he did the right thing for his people, and you know it's it's all well and cool to be a badass like the Blackfish, but you know what if you're random. You know, random Tully made number four. You know, who do you actually want? You know, like you want Edmure. Well, it's just like what's take care of you. What's your honor worth if your family ends up slaughtered? Yeah, is basically what this comes down to. And Jamie knows for Edmure, yeah, he doesn't want his family slaughtered. Well, and it's you know, like we just saw you know in Brienne's Brienne's chapter where she you know no chance and no choice, and she steps out into the rain and. You know, she makes that choice and, you know, it's a truly, you know, it's a heroic stand and, you know, this is Edmure's moment in a way too. And it, you know, it's no fun surrendering. It's no fun being the person that doesn't get to make that, you know, heroic stand. But I mean, honestly, he's a better person for it. He's a better person than almost anyone in Westeros for it, that he does do this. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, this, well, I mean, this is all, this is this the ongoing is thing with Edmure's character is Edmure always cares about like the little people you know he cares about his small folk he cares about his river lords you know he doesn't want people to die 
Um, Edmure's actually a very good guy. In the modern world, you know, <laughs> of all the leaders, Edmure's probably the one that you'd want around for a lot of stuff because he actually cares about human beings. Well, yeah, and it's just, you know, like, I think his contemporaries in the books mock him, but I don't think that George means for us to mock him. And then in the show, no. of course, they play it straight. We're like, yeah. oh, Edmure, uh, 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 he's an idiot. And it's like, you know, fuck you, you know. <laughs> Yeah. First, read the books. Second, you know, no, this is, you know, there's nothing about him that you should be mocking. No, no. So it's just, you know, it's frustrating to me that that this whole threat gets reduced to trebuchet baby when, like, that's like an add-on. The whole threat is like. Well, the thing is, here's what it comes down to. Yeah, Jamie is a guy who could put a baby in a trebuchet. We know that. He fucking yeeted Bran out a window to save his family. Yeah. He, he, he can do things like that if he has to do it. That's not what he's trying to do he's here. What he's trying to do here yeah. is solve this problem with zero bloodshed. Right. And he does it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he fucking yeah. does it. This is him he, doing it. And this is meant to be a triumphant moment. This is like, there's no question George set up this whole Riverlands thing for Jamie to be his moment to come into his own. And I mean, you know, we've had this discussion several times about people who just don't want to go along with what the narrative is. And that's fine. But the author clearly intends this to be, you know, look, Jamie can solve some of these problems. And uh, it's probably lucky that he's there because clearly no one else can solve them. And can you imagine Cersei trying to personally solve this? It would be. A bloodbath. Right, like, you know, I hate to break it to people, but the Tullys lost a war, and, you know, this is kind of, you know, this is the best possible outcome for them of what happens when you, you know, when you lose a war. Like, they're traitors to Tommen. Like, there's, you know, by no rights would they, in most cases, be getting out of here with their heads. No. Like they are, you know, defiant traitors, and you know we can sympathize with them and their side and their side, but you know this is like the best outcome for them at this point, and it's because you know of Jamie's like competence and care here, and you know, I mean, frankly, also Edmure like making a, you know, making the right decision. Like again, you know, the maids and the maids and the Smiths and all the small folk like. You know, if there wasn't like horrible looming threats, <laughs> they were they're gonna be okay because of this. And you know, that matters. That should matter to us. But I don't know. It's more fun, I guess, to Blackfish is so badass and awesome. Like he is, but you know, so is Edmir. I'm I'm very much on the Edmir Tully defense squad, so <laughs> he needs oh, no, it. I've always been there. T- <laughs> you know, a lot of What was that, Clotho? Yeah. No, I said he needs it because I don't, you know, you don't hear a lot of people taking up for him, so I haven't seen it. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, he's, he's not like anyone's no favorite, respect. <laughs> right? And I mean, he's doesn't, you know, he seems like kind of, I don't know, he's not like a great, like he's not a great character or anything. But I mean, I think he's, you know, he's the Lord you'd want if you, you know, if you were in the cave picking blindfolded, like he might be the guy you'd want to be a small folk for. And, you know, I think Ned too, you know, Ned seems like he was pretty solid, but you know, they, you know, they all aren't. They're running out of, you know, they're running out of people too. They're just sheer numbers are going down. Yeah. So, you know, Jamie, Jamie leaves Edmure, but he, um, you know, he leaves him to have his food and 
um, has the singer play the reins of Castamere for him as he leaves. And, you know, we, Admir, you know, obviously looks at the singer and is like, no, not him. Get him away from me. (laughs) It's like, we, you know, do we know their history at, we must've known their history at this point or is it the next chapter that Jamie learns about it? No, I think we all, well, we know already at this point. Okay. We know and, uh, from like Clash or yeah, yeah. That it's the Thomas yeah, Evans. <laughs> Thomas Evans. I I don't remember what it is. He he steals a girl from Edmure or something. And then he wrote a song about the floppy fish. Yeah, yes. I. But underneath it, there's a there's some romantic entanglement yeah. or something. Yeah. Like which is really great. Like singer's revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So and and. What's funny is Edmir doesn't just hate Thomas Evans. He, like, hates all singers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then you get the, like, cause of it all to be sitting here playing him. The Reigns of Castamere. Of course, the funny thing about it is that Tom is actually a member of the BWB and is probably going to try to help Edmir, but. Yeah, I mean, there was, we we got a question about that. Um, Let me find it quick. Um. It's from Clearance Unicorn on Reddit. It says, do you think Edmure decided to go along with Jamie because he was genuinely cowed by Jamie's threats? Or did Thomas Evans fill Edmure in on the BWB when Jamie left them alone? No, I think it was the threats. I I don't think, I mean, like Pia and other people were in the tent, so I don't think that they talked. I think they do talk sometime before, you know, because I think, isn't Edmure like a little cocky? When he's in River Run, like there's some change in his attitude, I feel like. Um, he's cocky about the fact that he let the blackfish go, but oh, I don't yeah. I don't I don't I don't know that I don't know that he's talked to Tombo Sevens at that point. Because Tombo Sevens leaves not long after this to make sure that they that the BWB knows that Ryman Frey is about to take off. Mm-hmm. So I don't even, I suspect that Thomas Evans isn't even very long in this tent before he takes off to deliver that message. Okay. Cause he just witnessed all of that happen. He was, you know, with uh, Jamie or, you know, beside Jamie during this whole thing. He with is, yeah. And then he is back though, because I think they, Jamie, he comes back with Jenna. To suck up to Jenna basically. Mm-hmm. For yeah. The, yeah. You know, yeah. the winter. But, He's got to he's got to sneak off at some point because at this point he's the one he's the informant who yeah. will go tell the BWB that they need to ambush Ryman. So yeah, I don't th- I get the feeling that no, they're not going to be alone in this tent. Mm-hmm. So I doubt that this is one, but it would be funny. So Clearly, we, they're going to talk at some point. Yeah. Uh, we have an anon on Tumblr who says, "It often has been said that Jamie has the emotional maturity of an adolescent." What age would you would you put his maturity at these time points? Beginning of his POV chapters, his return to King's Landing, and at this chapter in Feast. I don't know that I agree that he has the emotional maturity of an adolescent. Like, I think he has like the sexual maturity. I don't know, like yeah. <laughs> the romantic maturity of an yeah, adolescent. But yeah, but I mean, like this, this. 
even in you know in his very first chapters, like that's not the voice of an adolescent. Um, I mean, if you want to put it like an analog to today's world, I mean, like he he's very much the age that he is in today's world. Now, in his own world, he would be almost a grandfather at the age that he is. Yeah, thirty four at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he he'd be older. <laughs> he'd he'd have you know, well, Joffrey was old yeah. enough to get married and have kids of his own. Yeah, yeah. that's how old <sighs> Jamie is in the world that he's in. But like in our in our world, like a thirty three. 34 year old guy uh, yeah. he's wearing shawls <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, it's not like you you wouldn't necessarily i mean they might be married but you wouldn't expect it for sure or anything like yeah. that you know i mean like it kind of depends on where you put it i mean <laughs> yeah he's a little immature but only with regard to like i think romantic stuff and stuff like that i mean everything else he gets pretty well yeah um then we have a question from buck o'hare on reddit who says how much evidence do you see of Tywin's peace being ridiculously fragile in the Jamie chapter? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's like foresight in a little bit because, I mean, I see like the River Lords being, I mean, the River Lords aren't really like they have a fairly good relate. Like you were saying before, they feel like they have a good relationship with the Western Lords, but not with the phrase. Like the phrase are like the issue here, but like. I don't see like the Pipers and Vances like getting into it with the Cray Calls and the you know the Marbrands and stuff like no. they're all kind of like you no. know, but we're we're okay. I mean, I think there is a fragility in that. There's no question the River Lords are going to remain loyal to the Tullys, and as long as Edmure is alive, which yeah. will be till the end, um, you know, the River Lords are always going to support getting a Tully back in River Run. They're not going to be in favor of the phrase, but I mean, right. like. I, I think that there's this thought in fandom that there's going to be some insurrection with the river Lords to try to get, you know, the Tully's back in river run. I mean, maybe if everything gets super shaken up with egg on or something right away, maybe, but I really doubt it. I mean, I really doubt it's going to be an issue in that sense. I mean, I think the river Lords might, might help someone like the blackfish, you know, lead yeah. some guerrilla operations or might help the, the BWB, but I don't think you're going to see open warfare. I, I just would be shocked. Not until there's some other massive shakeup, but at that point, everybody's going to have other things to worry about. Like, yeah. I mean, and there's obviously going to be like several, several Matt. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Euron threatening the, you know, the, uh-huh. the reach, but also potentially the Westerlands. You've got egg and you've got Danny, you've got the undead, like shit's going down. I mean, Cersei's in a really oh, yeah. weak position. I mean, it just feels like, I guess because the information we have, it feels weak. You know, it all feels like it could, you know, that's sort of like this facade that could crumble at any minute. Yeah. Well, there's no question. Tyrion's gone it's a, and Kevin, yeah. da- da- you know, once Kevin dies and, you know, it's just, they're, it's not good. <laughs> I, I mean, we talked about this with the last Jamie chapter. I don't think Tywin made as great a deal as people might think he made. I think he gave way more concessions to the phrase than he needed to. Like, oh, why yeah. did he agree to all these marriages? No. I don't really know. Um, right. It is a mess, and it is a mess that Jamie's trying to clean up. I think the mess is that it's going to be somewhat unstable. I don't know that it's going to be a mess in, like, an outright rebellion. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't know. I know it won't be. Like, I just – you just can tell that's not – these these river lords are so done. You can tell by the way they're acting in this chapter. They're just – they're fucking finished. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's also – I mean, this might be a bit naive of me, too, but, you know, there's a certain camaraderie that happens when these people have been in a siege together and, and whatnot, too, and – 
you know, again, like I think they've all they all also have bonded in hating the phrase. I mean, it seems kind of like it, doesn't it? It yeah. kind of seems like they have. Well, and they've intermingled. Like, you know, you've got, you know, one of, you know, Mark Piper's uh, brother. So the Piper, whose first name I can't think of, you know, Lou Pi- little Lou Piper is his kid, who's Jamie Squire. You, you know, you're going to have the Blackwoods mixing in there. You've got, you know, like there's just been a lot of. And I mean, they're, the kingdoms are so close. Again, it's not like these people don't know each other. Like these guys all know each other. Like it feels like Lyle oh, yeah. Call is like extremely well. <laughs> like everyone knows him. Strongboard, um, yeah, yeah. Then we have a, um, a final question from Empress Stardust on Reddit, who asks, um, "Do you guys have any recommendations for other Song of Ice and Fire podcasts discussing the books?" Um, I've started to reread and would love to find more podcasts as good as this one. Um, thanks. I mean, I, I would recommend, um, especially if you're, you know, starting a reread, I guess I would recommend trying out Davos fingers podcast, just because I know that they've, they've completed an entire reread, like in order. Um, there's some other podcasts that are doing it by POV structure. And I think, um, you know, it's harder to follow along if you're reading the book straight through, but um, it might be useful to follow them as you're as you're doing a reread, just because they they have made it all the way through the books. Yeah, I don't know that I would recommend any book podcasts personally. I, I, the way that we do the book the books, <laughs> where we kind of follow POVs, I so much prefer. Um, I feel like we get more out of them when we read by character than when you just read the books in order and reading the books in order is what almost everyone else does. So as a reminder, we'll be reading the books. in order. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like maybe we'll get better at that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being frank with that. Yeah. It's, it's always been what I felt was a weakness is that um, the, the, the kind of cool thing about George's POV structure gets overlooked a lot in some of the just straight read through podcasts, but obviously we're not going to do that because it's our brand. We totally mm-hmm. get into POVs. Yeah, and it, yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, I would check out Davos Fingers if there's particular, um, if there's particular POVs that you're drawn to. Like, I know um, the Girls Gone Canon, I think, have done Sansa, so that might be worthwhile if that's like something that, you know, is particularly appealing to you. Um, you know, what 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 was our add on? Was it History of, was it Westeros? What, what podcast was that that we had that had the ad back in the day? Yeah, was it History of Westeros? No, it wasn't History of Westeros. It was, uh, what's the one where they have all the music and all the production value? I can't believe we can't think of it. Oh, I can't gosh, believe I can't, I can't either. Yeah, I remember the, the I remember the ad. Radio Westeros. Radio, <laughs> Westeros. Okay. Radio Westeros, yeah. yeah. That's, um, you know, it's not like a chapter by chapter no. podcast, but it's like completely book focused. So that yeah. would be another one to yeah. check out. Yeah, they do have some informative episodes. Um, you know, which actually might work out really well to kind of have like it as background or, you know, supplementary material. Here's the weird thing. I listened to more Game of Thrones podcasts than I ever really did a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. Hmm. I listened to several like Game of Thrones podcasts hmm. back in the day, but I never did really like too many book book focused ones. I used to listen to Boar's Gore, Boar's Gore and Swords, I think it was. They they did do book stuff too. I mean, their book stuff wasn't great, but I did like them. Um, the other thing you might want to, you know, the 
the listener might want to do is um, remember when Tor.com had the re- had the read of Ice and Fire, so it was someone reading the books for the first time, and they would do um, they would do summaries of of the various chapters as they summaries and then commentary on each chapter as they went through. So that might be like a really kind of a fun supplement to, to your reading as well. Like they made it all the way through the books, you know, several years ago. So literally all of that content is still out there too. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was kind of fun. It was fun to read along, especially to someone that um, had no idea what was going to happen. So that might be kind of a fun one to check out. It is fun to see that. Um, and the comments are really fun. <laughs> People are, you know, trying to hint, but also trying to not hint. So, um, anything else you guys want to talk about River Run and the Tullys and Edmure? Jamie's hot. Jamie is like, I mean, that is like an underrated aspect of this chapter is like his competency (laughs) is hot. Like, you know, he's, and he also like, we should also point out that he does like a nice description of um Ryman's whore's breasts as his as is his custom like <laughs> he's a boob he always, guy yeah he yep he sure is he always notices that so god love him um well with that if you would like to reach us you can email us at close the door and at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at door podcast and find us on tumblr at close the door and come here um you can listen to our podcast anywhere you know, anywhere you find your podcast, so Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, etc. And you can support our podcast by becoming a Patreon. And I believe that is, um, anyone know? Door Podcasts? Uh, Patreon.com slash close the door, I think. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use our, you know, we basically use your donations to help fund our um fund our hosting fees and this i believe is our 294th episode so you know that always gets to be a little bit more each time so (laughs) um so yeah we'll be coming on 300 episodes ladies like coming up i know that's insane what have we done (laughs) yeah exactly like i mean i know i'm just a podcaster in quotes but you know 300 episodes isn't too shabby so (laughs) with, with that i am closing the door Get out.